Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. The week before Frank was murdered, we were at a go-kart race. Frank would be running all these cars, and it got so competitive, and they loved it. He couldn't quit. A real competitor. Yeah, he really, he just, he did, the quit wasn't in him. Frank Spencer was, he was like a big teddy bear. If he knew you, he'd cut a leg off, get up, and ask if you need anything else. He was one of a kind. Great person. Outstanding friend. I've talked to at least five of Frank's friends who've all told me they were Frank's best friend. I think that speaks volumes about who Frank Spencer was. Peter, this is the Frank Spencer residence, uh, the scene of the murder. Really unchanged since 2012. Can you take me inside? Sure. Let's go. Frank Spencer's body was right here on these tiles. Oh, my. Is that remnants of his blood here? It is. We didn't have to ask each other. We knew. We knew it was Maria. We didn't know who else might have been involved, but we knew it was her. Maria Spencer, to me, is a classic femme fatale. An attractive woman, a seductress, who, when a man becomes involved with her, this is going to end poorly. How would I describe her? As a terrorist. It was a campaign of terror. Frank is afraid of Maria, and he's also afraid of Rocco Franklin. Rocco Franklin's Maria Spencer's father. Everybody knew who Rocco was. I'm a street guy, Rocco. Everybody calls me Rock. What was the reputation of Rocco, the mythology of Rocco in the community? He was a hitman, 
He would do things for people. He was had some type of association with the mob. I'm not a violent guy. Now, I don't mind breaking somebody's legs, but they deserve it. This was not simply a murder case. Frank told me where it was going to happen was going to be at his house. She said, you're going to get shot in the head. And she told him that. I think she was an emotionally troubled woman who did not want to be divorced. If you could picture somebody screaming, help, 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 and everybody's just standing around watching, that's what the situation was like. Was he a dead man walking? Absolutely. In his opinion, yes. You don't win unless I let you in. Do you understand? How could this all happen? If you made this into a movie tomorrow, nobody would believe it actually happened. I was working on the go-karts. Uh, we we're right in the middle of a big series. We were trying to win. It was July 3rd, 2012, in the once easygoing town of Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. A Tuesday. Joe Yodok, Frank Spencer's lifelong friend, hadn't heard from him since Saturday. And I had been texting him because we had issues we had to work on with the go-karts. Joe and Frank raced go-karts together for years with their kids. And so that morning, Joe went looking to find his missing buddy. I'll never forget it. I was pulling down the driveway and I thought, man, I hope I don't find him dead. When Joe found Frank lying on the floor, it took him a moment to process what he was seeing. And he had this look of peace, calmness, that he hadn't had in a long time. Uh, I stepped over his legs and... I noticed what looked like dried blood in his ear. Now I realized what happened, and then he wasn't alive. This loss of somebody you knew from the time you were in kindergarten, can you put that in words? Oh, nope. It was a tragedy, but not a mystery for Frank's loved ones. Most suspected Maria Spencer, Frank's former wife, who had officially become his ex-wife just three weeks before the murder. Maria didn't want the divorce, and the proceedings had been drawn out and contentious. Very contentious. You could tell there was just venom. Didn't matter who was there, she'd fly in screaming, slamming car doors. Ironically, Maria's passion was one of the things that had attracted Frank to her in the first place. He liked the crazy. Frank's friend, Paul Siciliano. You know, in the beginning when they were together, it was fun for him, you know, because he did have that kind of wild side to him. Frank and Maria eloped in 1997. Soon they had a son, Cyrus, and then a daughter, Frankie. Well, the kids were, the, were his biggest priority. Everything he did was about the kids. 
When Frank's father retired, he took over the family business, a junkyard located behind Frank's childhood home. Frank's friend and Joe's wife, Katie Yodok. He knew everybody. I mean, everybody in the town knew Frank Spencer. Frank's friends say Maria didn't seem to warm to family life the way Frank had. Frank was disappointed that she wasn't taking that much of an interest in the kids. The marriage eventually began to crumble, and Frank filed for divorce in 2006. Police were called several times for domestic disputes. Despite this, Frank wanted to keep the kids in one home. His friend, Ron Romick. Frank said that kids shouldn't be punished by having to go to their mother's house or their father's house. This is your house. So this week, I live here. Then that week, I'll leave, and that the, the kids should try to have as stable a life as they possibly can. But friends say Maria was anything but stable. In 2008, she was arrested after a scuffle with Frank's mother at her daughter's school. She was charged with disorderly conduct, harassment, and child endangerment for allegedly not buckling her daughter into the car. Tom Leipold prosecuted the case when he was an assistant DA, but didn't feel he could prove child endangerment. And so I agreed to dismiss that charge in exchange for the plea to the two other offenses. Maria pleaded guilty and had to pay a $600 fine. But the judgment only seemed to fuel Maria's rage. She repeatedly threatened to kill Frank, sometimes in front of other people. Frank had been reporting those threats to local police for years. The issue is is that Frank and Maria's relationship was volatile. Hemlock Township Police Officer Scott Tross says Frank and Maria would fight, but often reconcile. He says he wrote up Maria's threats, but says Frank didn't want it pursued. He just wanted things documented for his sake in case something happened to him. By 2009, the Spencers' divorce battle was three years along and still far from over. But emotionally, Frank was moving on. Did the two of you hit it off right away? We did. Frank and I both admit that we were both smitten at the same time when meeting each other. Julie Dent met Frank through mutual friends, and things soon turned serious. Maria did not take this news well, especially when she heard Julie had spent time with the children. Hey, Julie, it's Maria Spencer. You can go out with Frank, but do not, make no mistake about it, watch my children. The situation escalated further. That summer, Maria's father, Rocco Franklin, who had a reputation as a tough guy, was released from prison after serving five years on fraud charges. This was not good news to Frank. He started changing his habits uh, when, when her father was out of jail because he was very concerned about something happening to him. Did he feel like he was being hunted? Yes. A few months after Rocco's release, there was a break-in at Frank's junkyard. Nothing of value was taken, but a pile of business records was stolen. Documents that could potentially help Maria prove Frank's income in the divorce. The day after the apparent break-in, I received a phone call from Maria Spencer saying that she had found a trash bag on the front porch of her mother's house with all these business records in it. 
Remember Tom Leipold, the man who once prosecuted Maria? He was now serving as Maria's divorce attorney, even though he was still an assistant DA. It may sound bizarre, but it is allowed in Pennsylvania for part-time prosecutors. In terms of appearances, do you understand why, it, for some, it's troubling that you took on Maria Spencer because she'd had all these run-ins with the law? Doesn't that compromise you? It did not compromise me. I had no contact and no involvement with any criminal matter involving Frank Spencer or Maria Spencer after I undertook to represent her in the divorce. None. Many in town suspected Maria and Rocco had been involved in the burglary. Sergeant Tra interviewed Maria and gathered evidence, which he took to the DA, Tom Leipold's boss. Um, I consulted with the district attorney at that time, and then I reviewed the entire case with him, and he determined that there was not enough to pursue criminal charges against Maria Spencer. Maria gave the documents to her lawyer, and they were ultimately returned to Frank. But the burglary was left unsolved. To this day, I don't understand it. It's like we're in a, you know, some weird universe. Frank's friends were beginning to wonder if Maria would ever be stopped, especially when they saw what happened next. I guess when the house burned down, I was like, this isn't a game anymore. Tough talk or threats? Listen to more of Maria Spencer's voicemails on Facebook at 48 Hours. A sense of safety is important to everyone, and that's why I want to talk to you about Simply Safe. It's an advanced security system that protects your entire home so you can rest easy. Simply Safe is completely customizable with advanced sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. You can have 24-7 professional home monitoring for less than $1 a day. So try Simply Safe for 60 days risk-free. If you don't love it, you can return your system for a full refund. Plus, we're offering listeners 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Don't wait. Visit simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. That's simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. It's Maria Spencer. Do me a favor. Don't watch my children. Do not get between me and Frank by doing my children. Do you understand me? By the winter of 2010, the war of the Spencers continued, and so did the threats from Maria. I've never been threatened. 
I really chalked it up to just a, a bully, that she was just running her mouth, as she so often did. Maria continued to harass Frank, too, often making veiled threats about her father. Hey, Frank, it's Maria. It's an old man. He's got funny ways. Well, I thought I'd let you know because I care about you, not because I wanted to frighten you. Despite the threats, Julie and Frank tried to live a normal life. That January, they planned a romantic trip to the Caribbean. And was Maria aware that you were about to take a vacation? Unfortunately, yes. Maria started texting Julie about Frank. He says he loves me and didn't want to disappoint you on your only vacation this year. And do you want to know if he loves you or me? Then the night before they were supposed to leave, she asked Frank to dinner to talk about custody. And dinner turned into a room for the night at a hotel. She lured him away. That night, Frank's mother's home, where he lived off and on, went up in flames. Frank's friends rushed to the scene, including his divorce attorney, Joel Wiest. Nobody could find Frank. We were all very upset, thinking Frank was in the fire. Fortunately, the house was empty that night, except for the kid's dog, who died in the fire. Frank's friend Dirk Reed says as they were standing by the smoldering ruins, Maria drove up, smiling. Drives up the driveway, smirk on her face, turned around and left, and that was that. Frank arrived soon after Maria left and told the state police fire marshal that he was certain Maria and her father had set the fire. But the fire marshal said there was no way to find evidence of arson because the structure was destroyed. The fire was designated undetermined. Frank was extremely angry that they could not figure out why or how the fire started. Frank was done with just wanting things documented. He wanted an arrest. Frank and I approached everybody we could think of in the law enforcement community. I still, to this day, do not know if there was ever an investigation. Sergeant Tra from the Hemlock Township Police started a case file and spoke to Maria, but says because of the fire marshal's conclusion, there was little else he could do. I did have a strong suspicion that it was arson, um, but I'm not an expert. So when he determined that, that's what I have to go with. After the fire, Maria seemed to taunt Frank in a text. Karma is a wonderful thing. You destroyed my life. I feel a lot better since your whole life went up in the fire. Makes it fair. And I can hear her saying it. It was just a text. I can hear it. Maria followed up with another menacing text about Julie. I will make her lose her job, her home, and you. Did Frank read that to you? He did. He was very... um, distraught by it. As time went on, Maria's threats grew more bold and more public. At a kid's soccer game, Maria screamed in Julie's face that her house was next. A few months later, Julie was home alone, asleep. It was when I heard the breaking of glass. As I came around to the top of the stairs, as I was about to round the corner, I was greeted by a fireball literally a fireball coming up the stairs. 
What do you do? Nothing else I could do but to open a window and go out onto the porch roof. Julie jumped from her second-story porch roof and survived, shaken but uninjured. I lost everything. And do you believe that the sole intent of this was to burn a house down, or was it to kill you? I do believe it also had the component of, of ridding me from the life, yes, of Frank Spencer. Julie lived in a different county, and she and Frank were hoping for a better outcome this time. But another state police fire marshal at the scene that night said he couldn't find evidence of what started the fire. At this point, even I wasn't accepting it, let alone Frank. Julie's home insurance sent a fire inspector out the next morning. And Joel Weiss says he showed him what they'd found here by this window. There was a car jack right here laying on the ground. It was a scissor jack that would lift the car. What would a jack be doing here? It's heavy. It's steel. It was used to break that window in. And the investigator noticed a path through the weeds by the house. There was a milk jug, a gallon container, and there was an unused road flare lying next to it. An igniter. An igniter, which said to the investigator, these are the makings of a firebomb. A firebomb. The state police fire marshal came back out to the scene. And they used their apparatus to determine accelerants, and there was gasoline all over those steps. This time, the fire was ruled an arson. Frank and Julie told the fire marshal they were certain Maria was involved and shared her prior threats. But once again, no one was charged. In the fall of 2010, Frank and Julie tried separating briefly and in desperation told their story to a local paper. A year and a half later, there was something else in the newspaper, an announcement that Frank and Maria were finally divorced. Had the two of you talked about spending the rest of your lives together, perhaps? We did. Yes. But that would never happen. The day after that divorce notice was published, Frank Spencer was dead. Let's open this a little bit farther. Oh, my. This is his home right here? Yes, it is. Right here on the left. Uh, This is the murder scene. Pennsylvania State Police Corporal Sean Williams was assigned to lead the murder investigation the day Frank Spencer's body was found. On that July morning, as you approached the front door here, what did you see? Peter, there was a lot of blood right here in front of this doorway. Uh, The blood had striations in it, like as though it had been pushed with a push broom, attempt at cleanup. Frank's house has been frozen in time in the years since his murder in 2012. You can see some of our chemical testing, uh, Frank Spencer's blood uh, spattered against uh, this frame and door. Can you get us inside? Sure. Frank Spencer's body was right here on these tiles. Uh, Frank's head was uh, behind this doorway. 
and his arms were outreached above his head. He was laying on his back. Investigators found their next clue in the blood around Frank's body, right here where this section of the floor was removed. The forensic service unit did their collection of evidence. Uh, They found that there were footwear impressions uh, on this tile in blood. Footprints? Yes. Right here? Yes. We sent it to the FBI uh, for analysis, and it came back that it was a Dr. Scholl's model, Escape brand, uh, size 11 uh, sneaker. The same size and brand of shoe that Maria's father, Rocco, was known to wear. What other evidence did you find here in the house? I can show you if you come on in. This is the main living room of Frank Spencer's home. We come back into the kitchen here. The forensic services unit, they found a glove, a yellow cleaning glove, uh, right about this position right here. You expect to see a rubber glove in the kitchen, but not laying in the the middle of the floor. And the mate for the rubber glove was actually right inside the sink here. When the gloves were tested, Maria's DNA was found inside. Friends say she hadn't lived in that house in over a year. It wasn't a, a door slam, close the file and make an arrest, but it definitely helped us along the way. Detective Williams had now apparently linked Maria and her father Rocco to the murder scene. But that could only take Williams so far. I mean, we work in our business with fact. So just because everybody in town was saying, I think Maria did this, I think her father did this, we couldn't just assume that. But soon, investigators uncovered more evidence of two suspects. Frank had been shot by two different guns. And forensic analysis determined that the first bullet struck Frank when he was outside the front door. And it came from a rifle. Uh, A bullet passed through his bicep and went into his chest cavity. And was that a fatal shot, do you believe? Yes. Since a rifle is typically a long-distance weapon, police expanded their search into the woods. Peter, right up here on this ridge across from the house, you'll see a Y in a tree and there's a big base. This one right up here? Yes. So that is the location uh, where we found a spent casing, a live casing, both 30-06 rounds, and there was a soft gun case uh, for a long rifle uh, located as well. Now, this killing took place in July, high to summer, so I take it this whole hillside would be covered with leaves, bushes. Would Frank have seen an attacker up there? I wouldn't think so. So this was a classic ambush. Yes. After that first shot, William says Frank was dragged inside and shot again, this time with a handgun at close range. Then why a second bullet? It could be a motivation of hatred. Uh, It could be a message sent to Frank Spencer. That shot meant something to someone that put it there. Detective Williams had another mystery to solve. Where was Frank's pickup truck? We have a victim inside the house, but there was no vehicle there for the victim. 
Investigators checked security cameras along the roads near Frank's house, and they found images of Frank's truck driving away from his house just minutes after they calculated he had been murdered. But who was inside the truck? I sent it to the United States Secret Service, and it was still just too far away. It wasn't like they could zoom in, look through the window, and see who was there. Frank's truck was eventually found in Sunbury, Pennsylvania, 27 miles from Frank's house and just five miles from where Maria was living at the time. Frank's missing truck had led police toward Maria's home. But there was something else missing from Frank's that day that would lead them toward Rocco's. And then all of a sudden... There was a dog appeared. Right over here. There's a Weimaranian. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. You good? What do you think? Does it look all right? Yeah, all right. So. Frank and Barbara Pinto run a wedding venue in Dauphin, Pennsylvania, 72 miles from where Frank Spencer was killed. On the day of the murder, they were setting up for a wedding when an uninvited guest wandered in. Beautiful dog just comes sashaying in. I said, well, whose dog is this? And nobody knew whose dog it was. It was Frank's dog, Muttley, adopted after his kid's dog was killed in that fire. So did Muttley look exhausted like no, it had taken some 70-mile no. journey no, to no, get no. here? You could tell he was somebody's dog. This he was very well taken dog, care of. Very well taken yes. care of. Detective Williams realized that someone had driven Muttley to Dauphin, and that person must have been at Frank's house at the time of the murder. And how many killers would take a dog with them unless they knew that dog? I wouldn't think too many. Williams learned that Rocco lived in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and the wedding venue is right along the road from Frank's house to Rocco's. Rocco's cell phone is on that direct route that same day. Williams theorizes that Maria had asked Rocco to take Muttley for the kid's sake, and that Muttley had run off accidentally when Rocco stopped along the way. It was now two months after Frank's murder, and Williams wanted to talk to his two main suspects. Maria refused. But to Williams' surprise, Rocco agreed. Which still blows my mind why he 
decided to talk to us. However, I think Rocco likes that cat and mouse part of an investigation. Rocco did give Williams an alibi. What did he say? said, I never left Harrisburg. I couldn't believe it because I know from his cell phone that he had traveled twice. Rocco told police a preposterous story, saying that while he had never liked Frank, he was actually at Frank's house the day before the murder, without Maria helping tidy up. I said, well, what kind of cleaning were you doing? And he said, well, uh, I was, you know, folding laundry and uh, cleaning up with the push broom. That's the same push broom that was used to clean Frank's blood off the porch. Even more far-fetched, Rocco said Frank had let him test drive his truck that day and that when he offered to buy it, Frank suggested they wrestle for it. Basically what he's saying is, I touched Frank Spencer, I touched the truck, and I touched that push broom. It sounds like he's trying to create a scenario, if you find my DNA in any of these places, this is why. Absolutely. Around the same time Rocco was talking to Williams, Frank's friend Dirk saw Maria in the stands at a high school football game. So I just sat down beside her and I said, I just want to let you know, don't worry about me around your kids. I said, I'm never going to say anything to disrespect you or Frank around your kids. And she looked at me and goes, that's why you're still alive, Reed. And I just looked at her and said, tell your dad I said hi. And she went off. Like many of Frank's friends, Dirk suspected Rocco had helped Maria murder Frank. And we were basically almost nose to nose. And I'm going, why? You took him away from not just your kids, from everybody. What did she say to that, though? I mean, did she say, I didn't kill him? Oh, no, no. What she said was, the last thing he saw before he died was me. It was a wretched moment for Dirk, but a huge piece of evidence for the case. She's putting herself at a homicide scene. If she saw someone take their last breath, she's saying she was there. By that autumn, Williams was working with prosecutor Tony Foray, the senior deputy attorney general for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I think it was horrible that what Frank went through. Foray was handling the prosecution because the county DA was now Tom Leipold, Maria's former divorce attorney, and he had recused himself from the case. Foray was aghast when he learned Frank had been reporting death threats for years, both before and after the fires in 2010. In the state of Pennsylvania, is making a death threat to someone, is that a crime? Yes, that would be a terroristic threat. Even when Frank did ask police to investigate some of the threats he reported, Maria was never brought in for an interview or charged with making terroristic threats. You get away with terroristic threats, and then if you get away with a burglary, and you get away with a fire, and you get away with a blatant attempt to murder a girlfriend in a fire, the only thing left is murder. Local police officer Scott Traw. People in this town who believe that you and other members of the Hemlock Township uh, Police Department were just not doing your job, you were not properly investigating these threats and complaints, you say what? 
That's not true. Every incident that was thoroughly investigated, if they were serious in nature, um, the Columbia County District Attorney was consulted, and he would determine at that time if, if somebody would get arrested or not arrested. The county district attorney during most of the time leading up to Frank's murder was Gary Norton. He says he never knew about Maria's threatening voicemails and texts. As district attorney, I only know what the police tell me. And Norton says it was usually up to police to make arrests, not the DA. When I was DA, 95 to 99 percent of the arrests that were made were made without consultation with the DA. The police had that power and exercised that power. Julie Densfire was not in Tra or Norton's district. And Norton says he didn't ignore Frank's mother's fire or the theft of Frank's business records. He says he was following the law. Is there an arson? And can we prove arson? No. Is there a burglary? No, because Frank Spencer had no proof that it was Maria who entered the premises. Before a prosecutor can ethically bring a charge, there has to be evidence or proof beyond a reasonable doubt. But prosecutor Tony Foray felt he could prove the earlier crimes and Frank's murder. It took time to gather evidence, and in 2013, Foray convened a grand jury. This time, both suspects agreed to talk. And there was no interrupting Maria. So as soon as she took a breath, I would ask a question. Did you ever threaten to kill Frank Spencer? Her answer would be absolutely not. Check. One count of perjury. Did you ever threaten Julie Dent? Absolutely not. Check. And so Foray charged Maria with 12 counts of perjury, more than a dozen other charges, and most importantly, Frank Spencer's murder. In July 2014, Williams went to arrest her. And that's when I told her she was under arrest for the murder of Frank Spencer. She immediately began to say, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. The warrant for Rocco's arrest was issued the same day. But Rocco was nowhere to be found. It had been two years since Frank Spencer's murder, and Maria Spencer was finally under arrest. It was like you lifted a, you know, a weight. Like there's a thousand pounds on your back. But her father, Rocco, had skipped town the year before, fleeing right after he finished his grand jury testimony. Within like 36 hours, Rocco Franklin had boarded a plane to Columbia, South America. And are you hot on his trail? Not at that point. That's because Rocco had an 11-month head start. But once Williams had an arrest warrant and a little help from the State Department, he found him. He was only four blocks away from the United States Embassy in Buenos Aires, Argentina. I couldn't believe that it was sort of that easy. Sort of was the operative term. Within weeks, Rocco was arrested by Argentinian police, but he fought extradition. And so in the fall of 2015, Maria Spencer went on trial for Frank's murder alone. Prosecutor Tony Foray. The totality of what went on is, I think, both the strength of the case and also the the horror of the case. Foray had Maria's DNA at the crime scene. 
the truck found close to her home, and her history of death threats. Maria's defense was to blame her own father. Clearly, the defense strategy was this was all Rocco, Rocco, Rocco. He's the bad guy. It was all him. Cameras were not allowed inside the trial. One by one, Frank's friends took the stand. How many of you uh, were called upon to testify at trial? All of us. All of us. They told the jury about the fires, Maria's admission that she was at the crime scene, and the years of harassment. Julie Dent testified about an especially disturbing threat. So what would she say to Frank? One specific that I remember plain as day is that she would cut off both of his hands and dip him into hot tart, cauterize him, so that she would never, he would never be able to hold his children again. The trial lasted nine days. As the jury began its deliberation, Frank's friends were worried. You're just thinking, yeah, like things never seem to go our way, you know. I was scared. Eight hours later, the jury had reached a verdict. I look down. I never look at the jury because I don't want to react. I'm waiting, which seems like an eternity, and then it's guilty, 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 guilty. Maria was found guilty on all counts for murdering Frank Spencer. And for the two arsons, the burglary, 12 counts of perjury, conspiracy, and terroristic threats. Merry Christmas. She was sentenced to life without parole, plus 50 years. That was it. That was it. Yep. That's it for all of us. Like, oh, oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank yeah. God. It took another year and a half, but in 2017, Williams was finally able to bring Rocco back to stand trial. I never done anything. Did you kill Mr. Spencer? Of course not. Don't talk ridiculous. Maria had argued Rocco killed Frank alone, but Rocco wasn't following that script. Come on, I got no beef with Frank Spencer. If I had a beef, I'd have broke his face a long time ago. But Rocco, who spoke to us from the county jail, doesn't appear to be holding a grudge against Maria for trying to blame it all on him. Maria never hurt nobody, but they did to that girl's outrageous. Rocco says he's innocent of murder and the rest of it. But they got no proof. What proof they had? Show me one piece of evidence, one eyewitness, one fingerprint, one anything. Prosecutor Foray says he has plenty of evidence. From the shoe print in Frank's blood. Footprints, yes. To Rocco's ridiculous story. How are you feeling, Rocco? I'm doing fine. How you doing? Putting himself at Frank's before the murder. And of course, the arrival of Muttley at that wedding. Like, I'm that dumb that I'm going to steal a, a guy I'm supposed to whack, take his dog, and leave it 10 miles from my house? Come on, that doesn't even sound right. In the autumn of 2018, after a four-day trial, Rocco Franklin was convicted of Frank's murder. And for the burglary and the arson at Frank's mother's house. He was sentenced to life plus 45 years. I mean, this has been a long, drawn-out affair, and it never needed to be what we're going through now. 
Dirk's wife, Dina Reed. After the first fire, she should have been in prison. Um, Frank should still be here. Sergeant Tross says he did what he could. Frank's dead. I understand that. But I went through anything and our department went through anything differently than we did. Tony Foray has called what Frank experienced an epic failure of law enforcement. Did anyone stop and look at the totality of everything that was going on and do something significant in terms of arresting either Maria or her father, Rocco? The answer is no. Well, there's not a crime in the Pennsylvania Crimes Code that's called the totality of the circumstances make you look really guilty. Former DA Gary Norton. You have to analyze these things case by case and ask yourself, can an arrest be made and can I, in good faith, uh, secure a conviction beyond a reasonable doubt? And the answer uh, was yes where we prosecuted her and no when we did not prosecute her. I reacted as best I could in the situation and my conscience is clear. I don't have any regrets as to what I did. Out in front of the courthouse, where Gary Norton now serves as a judge and Maria's former divorce lawyer, Tom Leipold, serves as the county DA, is a fundraising brick Frank Spencer purchased years ago. He dedicated it to his children. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about them. And I, and I still can't figure out why, why it happened. Was Rocco a wise guy? Listen to what he has to say at 48hours.com. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard... We think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Right now, it seems as if everything is unpredictable. We're all stuck at home. And like you, I'm feeling a bit helpless right now. But I want you to know we are here for you. All working together. You are not alone. That's right. Because we're all in this. And we're all in this. We're all in this together. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. 
How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's the case, then I've got some good news. We just launched a brand new Strange, Dark, and Mysterious podcast called Mr. Ballin's Medical Mysteries. And as the name suggests, it's a show about medical mysteries, a genre that many fans have been asking us to dive into for years, and we finally decided to take the plunge, and the show is awesome. In this free weekly show, we explore bizarre, unheard-of diseases, strange medical mishaps, unexplainable deaths, and everything in between. Each story is totally true and totally terrifying. Go follow Mr. Ballin's Medical Mysteries wherever you get your podcasts, and if you're a Prime member, you can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.